Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good morning, church. Um, I hope you're all having a great weekend. Um, my name is Ganzi. I, I, I'm actually just fresh in the UK. I, was, I, I spent the last month back home in Uganda. Uh, I traveled alone, my family stayed here, so there's a bit of mixed feelings about that. But during that time, um, Uganda is right at the equator, and, and so we have um, summer, the sun, throughout the year. Um, <laughs> and it's really even, like you'll get it throughout the year without any, well, the ups and downs are. 23 to 26 degrees. Um, and so after a month of being in Uganda, I'm, I'm ready for the three months, of, the three days of, of, uh, of summer here. And I'm really um, rubbing it in, in the family and telling Diana, well, our, our daughter is three and she's born here. She hasn't been home, so she, she has no idea about what it is like to have summer. Um, <laughs> But it's really nice to be back home, and in a way, um, coming from home and being back home, it, 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 for me, it, it, it's, a, it's a journey in which I'm feeling torn between two places that I, I really care about. Um, I also have greetings for, for you from, um, some of you might remember uh, Pastor Sam Mukavi, he came over sometime back, I think in, the, in 2013, 2014. Um, he did specifically tell me to say hello to you, and if I didn't, he had my number, and he'd deal with me, so greetings from him and the family. Um, today we're talking about um, hope in times of suffering, and one of the things that I kept reflecting upon when, when I was preparing for this someone today was just how hard it is to explain away suffering, how hard it is to understand suffering, and how much it tests our faith. I know that each one of us has gone through times of suffering, I certainly have, and in those moments sometimes you, you get to wonder what, what's the point of it all, what's, what's the point of it all generally, life, but also sometimes what's the point of my faith, why do I believe, why am I a Christian if I can go through all the suffering that I'm going through, and maybe it isn't personal, maybe it is someone that you love or someone that you know. And you look at the suffering that's going on and you wonder, why? It doesn't make sense at all. How does this square up with my faith? Isn't God a God of love? Isn't God a God of justice? Why is this injustice happening to the people that I love? And I think for people across Europe, that sense of um, injustice has become particularly pronounced with uh, the war in Ukraine and the lot of people who are wondering why should people go through all the suffering. Um, 
the people across the world have also had their shares of suffering and I, I know um, both from work and personal experience that a lot of people across the continent of Africa question themselves and wonder why, why is it that you know, the continent that, is, that has more than a third of the riches of all the natural resources of the world somehow constantly at the bottom of the social order? Why are we constantly the ones that are begging for alms when actually the alms are coming from the gold that we have? And I'm not sure there are answers that we can give that would be satisfactory for each of those. But then there are also some reflections that we have as Christians um, that I'd like to share with us today. And so today, um, someone that I prepared today is, is, is entitled Ruchiri. Ruchiri is a, is a Rinyankole word. I come from Uganda again, and uh, my mother is a Muganda. My father is, was a Rinyankole. And so Ruchiri is a Rinyankole word, which means rock. Um, so when we think about suffering, and ask why the suffering take place. One of the things I realize is that that question comes in the middle of a process. It's sort of the wrong question to start with. It's not a wrong question, but it's a wrong question to start with. And so we have to go back to the beginning of suffering. Why, how did suffering come in place, the Bible teaches us um, that actually, in ways, in in, in many ways, um, suffering came came up as a result of sin. That in the Garden of Eden, um, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and the consequence of that was that we became sinful. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, uh, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. And it goes on, Paul is trying to explain it. And so the question that comes from that is, why did God make us in such a way that we could sin? You know, if if it ends up in all this suffering and it ends up in all this kind of, of, of um, death and, and, and bad experiences, why did God make us in such a way that we could sin? Why didn't he just make us perfect and unable to sin and therefore always able to enjoy everything that comes with, well, not sinning? And again, I don't have all the answers to that. But I also know um, that nothing worth truly loving, um, or maybe let me put it the other way around, um, a lot of the things that are truly worth loving are truly worth giving free will. When we consider our relationships, the people that we love the most happen to be the people that can hurt us the most. And when you want to enter into relationships, bonds of marriage have just been read, um, 
we find ourselves taking a risk with our hearts and giving people the opportunity to love us, to cherish us, but also an opportunity to hurt us. And it's not until we truly give ourselves to these people that we can experience the fullness of the joy and love and, and, and um, experience of that relationship. And so love is a double-edged sword. It allows us to give ourselves fully, but it also opens up the opportunity for us to be hurt. And when we look at how God has loved us and when God decided he wants a relationship with us, not like he has with nature in ways that, you know, they're controlled by the laws of nature and, and things happen as they are, but he said he wanted an intimate relationship with us. One that was made not because of anyone else's telling us we have to do this, but because we so choose. And so he took a risk on us. It was a huge risk. And that risk involved us having the choice to say no. Because if we had the choice to say no, we then had the choice to say yes. And if we had the choice to say yes, then our relationship with him was genuine and real. And so he took a chance on us, and as we all know, somewhere along the road, we chose to say no. And the consequence of that comes up in very many ways, in our politics, in our relationships, in our, in our faith, but because in many ways, each of us, both personally, but also institutionally and, and over the years, we have said no to what God has said, there is a lot of suffering in the world. Suffering because people have decided to take, to look at themselves instead of God, to be selfish instead of selfless, um, to put themselves first instead of their neighbors and instead of God. And so you have all the suffering that's going on that's a consequence of sin. And we live in a broken world. And we as Christians know that and understand that. That we live in a world that's so broken that ultimately we are going to end up in one way or another at some point or another suffering. But that's not the end of the story. Thank God that's not the end of the story. Because nothing in the world is too broken to be used of God. And that includes suffering. Because he who molded us and created us can do all things. And so we have situations in which, we have a situation in which there is suffering that has been brought in the world because of sin, the world is broken, and we're wondering what can happen, what should we do? And God decides that he has an answer for that. He decides to start this project, this project to create a sense of hope where there is hopelessness. Because remember, if the world is broken and if we are going to constantly face suffering, and if we are not going to enjoy eternity with Christ, then the reality is that we are going to be constantly 
in a life of suffering and a life unfulfilled. And so Christ embarks on this journey, God embarks on this journey to, to save us, to save humanity, to give us hope in spite of suffering. And what does he do? He takes this sinfulness, this sinful world, this broken world, and says, you know what, I am going to heal it once and for all. And what he does is come down and live amongst us. The one who made us becomes like us. And he lives amongst us. And he suffers as much as other human beings suffer. A lot of times when we think of suffering, it's interesting that we think of it in a collective. We think of all the suffering in the world and imagine it and think, this is really so much suffering. In reality though, none of us experiences all the suffering of the world. We each experience suffering at a very individual, very personal level. So collectively, all of us here have gone through some suffering, and if we all shared it in our minds, we would think, whoa, this is a lot of suffering. In reality, each one of us has suffered a little bit of that. But then, that's not the same with God. That's not the same with Christ. Because at the Garden of Gethsemane, when he is praying that God's will be done, and if it's possible, that this cup of suffering be taken away from him. And at the cross, what he is literally, figuratively, but also literally doing, is experiencing all the suffering of the world combined. That your sin, my sins, the sins of our fathers, the sins of our, of, of our children, that everything that we could ever do, that we could ever sin, was upon him. And so that imagination we have of the collective suffering, he actually took that on the cross. And he suffered in ways we cannot even begin to understand. And he endured it all. And he died on the cross. And then on the third day, he rose again. And so we ask ourselves, what is what has resurrection, for instance, got to do with suffering? Well, if we are, as we said, if we are living in a broken world that is full of suffering, then there's really no hope. Paul was talking to um, the Philippians or rather, the, the, um, the Corinthians. He was writing to the Corinthians. Uh, in Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
from verse 12. It reads, But if it is preached that Christ has been risen from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Christ has risen, and we know that he's alive. And because he's alive, he gives us the hope of things to come. Because Christ is risen, we can trust that our suffering today, our suffering yesterday, is nothing compared to the promise of life eternal with him. And he gives us that hope through the resurrection. So as I conclude, I'd like us to reflect on um, a number of things. The first is that suffering in the world is not always your fault. It is not because you did something wrong. It's not some, sometimes it's not because you did something wrong. And it's not somehow God's way of testing our faith. It's because we have a broken world. The second thing is that this broken world is not eternal, but our lives are in Christ. And because of that, the suffering we might incur, we might face in this world will actually be nothing compared to the life that Christ has for us. So there is hope for our relationships, our broken relationships. There is hope for our work and our loved ones. There is hope for us because Christ is risen. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.